You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we're setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, entrepreneur, pageant queen, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. Well, hey there, guys. It's your host, Kelly. Misunderstood. It's me. It's me. So for a little context, I am on my third cup of coffee. I know I should definitely chill out, but sometimes it's just so dang good and I just can't stop it just. Gotta keep it coming, especially pumpkin spice season. Like I just, I pour the pumpkin spice in, it just starts flowing and I should definitely buy decaf, but a part of me still kind of thinks it's like a bit of a sin to buy decaf because why even drink coffee if you're buying decaf, right? Also, part of me thinks that caffeine doesn't affect me anymore. Like I drink it so much that my body's just like, "Mm, this is normal, but it's definitely not the case right now because I am feeling pumped and at large, folks. So let's do this thing. It's the morning time here in Los Angeles, California. And I woke up thinking about like, you know, I'm inspired and I just want to connect with you guys. And I'm loving the response that I'm getting on the pod lately. And everyone just being so awesome and enthusiastic. And there's just like this whole part of me that so many of you don't know. Like, I wish I could sit down with you and give you like a little docu-series, if I will, on my life. Not because I think the whole world revolves around me, but because it's just kind of (laughs) comical. Like, I feel like, I feel like some people have like this crazy different perception of me than I actually am like. Like, for example, I was having this chat with my girl, Alice Magato. Shout out to Alice. She's the bomb. And we were talking about like, being in the Instagram community or like the influencer world, which I still like don't even feel like I'm like in that world because I'm not sponsored by like hundreds of thousands of brands. But when you hit like a certain following, people start to look at you differently, which is super strange, guys. Like don't do that. It's weird. Really all that's changed is more people are seeing your profile and more like people are liking your stuff. Maybe. And also you're probably getting more like hate messages. (laughs) That's really all that's changed. So like in the last like five years that I've been working on my Instagram and like working on my brand, I feel like now I'm a little bit more creative with my content. But as far as like the person I am, I'm still the same. I just like kind of deal with more messages and that's all. But what we were talking about is like the stigma that's attached to it and how when people see that you're on Instagram and you have like a following or maybe you present yourself like really professionally on there or maybe like you're a model or whatever it is, people are like, oh, like she must be so uppity and just so into herself or like not fun or she's just got it all together. And I'm like, no, <laughs> You're wrong. You're very misunderstood about me. Sorry to disappoint, guys, but I don't have it all together. I think that's the transparent part of this pod is that I'm giving you like real life advice, like on the front lines of being in your 20s, you know, not having it all 
perfectly figured out. Like I'm not a 95 years old on the Titanic giving you like life reflections of everything that I should have done. Like I'm 28 in the trenches figuring it out with you guys. And so I've just been fortunate enough to go through like a series of things up until this point, which has helped develop me a lot personally. But with that being said, like I'm still like I'm not perfect whatsoever. And so today I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like set the record straight on a couple things. You actually may not think this at all, but I'm going to just say it anyways. Number one, you might be misunderstood and you think that I'm like super cool. (laughs) No, I'm not super cool, but I'm going to get into why. (laughs) I'm just sitting here laughing, thinking about how I'm not, I'm not that cool. I've like, can be cool. Like I think I'm like a cool person, you know, to hang out with and like chill with. But I definitely haven't like grown up and I was like not the cool girl, you know, in class. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit. Also, I know I've delivered like quite a few dating podcasts and I have like dating advice, especially for my 20s. Like I'm definitely not a dating professional and I didn't start out my youth like being this like hot spot Carrie Bradshaw like you know, I was definitely not this like sought after teenager. So I'm going to get into that too. And then my last thing, you might think this, you might not, who knows, but I'm definitely not a genius. (laughs) Okay. Genius might not be the right word. I'm not like this super brilliant naval lieutenant, Ivy League educational, Ivy League education there you go. Professional, just like walking amidst the earth. Like I've struggled a lot in my education and I think that's very misunderstood about me. I'm going to be very transparent about the struggles with me and my academia and what I've been through and what I work hard for. So let's just get into it, guys. So first things first, let me just shake off the coffee and the coffee beans just hit my soul right now. I'm going to give it into, like I said, I'm going to talk about some things that I've never really shared publicly. And by publicly mean, I'm like, I mean, maybe I shared it once upon a time, but probably not. But you guys definitely don't know this stuff about me. So as a kid, I wouldn't say, actually, no, my mom would probably say this. I definitely loved like putting on a performance. Like I loved being like a star and I thought I would be a star someday. When I watched American Idol, I was like, that could be me. They're going to pick me as a nine-year-old Kelly Clarkson, step aside. But in third grade, I tried out for The Sound of Music and I didn't get picked. And I was like, okay, I got to really restructure my life plan here because clearly I'm not meant to be a star. Well, then in fourth grade the play was Oliver Twist. And these plays, they were productions. I mean, like huge astronomical productions. I was living in Italy at the time and I was going to a Department of Defense DOD school. And so we didn't really have sports teams because we didn't have other like military schools to play. There was like one military school in all of Signal Sicily. So instead, our school like was very hyper involved in these theater productions. We had a huge like music program. So these productions had like 
300 plus people in them. And our director was this woman, Lynn Sobey, who had experience actually in Broadway and Lord only knows how this woman ended up in Signal of Sicily to this day. Don't know. But she would put on these like amazing, amazing productions. And when she would pick a play for that year, it was like, oh my goodness. Like it's like when the Oscars would like release the winner of the year for us. It was like a huge deal. So in fourth grade, she releases Oliver Twist. And I remember feeling like, oh man, I can't try out for that. I'm a girl. And I was already like distraught because the year before I tried out for Sound of Music and I didn't make it. And my dreams of being a mega star were just dwindling in front of me. Well, my mom was like, well, Kelly, why wouldn't you try out for the part? And I was like, mom, because I'm a girl. Duh. And she was like, so? Shout out to Lisa. My mom is just this powerhouse. I'm still trying to get her on the podcast. She won't come on. Lisa Hall, if you're listening, you're going to be on the podcast soon. But she always just has these words of wisdom. And in fourth grade, she was like, I don't understand why you can't try out. Who cares if you're a girl? You can still play that part. And I was like, kind of confused because Oliver Twist is a boy and I'm not a boy. So I was like, how would I play that part? And she was like, it's acting, Kelly. You can act like a boy. And I was like, oh, so I actually had really short hair like a boy in fourth grade because in Italy, it was very hot in the summertime. So I just kept my hair like pixie cut short and I have to tag some photos in the podcast. <laughs> but I ended up trying out. There were 60 plus little boys who showed up to try out for this part. And, you know, I show up and I'm smiling and I'm super tiny and I'm just the only girl And I make it to like the top 20 and I make it to the top 10. I make it to the top five. And then I was picked to play Oliver in Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can we have some more? Like we want more info on this, right? Yes, I was pumped. I couldn't believe it. My dreams were coming true. Like Hollywood, here I come. I'm going to be Oliver and Oliver Twist. And my whole family was just so amazing and supportive. They really were. My dad and my sister worked behind the scenes. My other sister was in the show with me. My mom did costumes and hair and makeup. And we had this production with 350 people. And we just slaved in the show for like eight months until it was time to perform. But a lot of people don't know that. And that was really like one of the first things that instilled this like spark in me for performance. And I kept getting asked consistently by all the adults and all the students, oh, are you going to be an actress? Are you going to be an actress? And I remember sitting down with my mom at dinner and my dad at dinner and they were like, Kelly, we want to support you, but do you really want to be an actress? And I was like, well, of course I want to be an actress. Like I'm Oliver. Like I can do anything. I just beat out 60 boys. And my mom was like, yes, but you know, Think about your skills and think about the way you want to make the difference in the world. She's like, you have a huge talent for writing. You have a huge talent for storytelling. I think that you could really do something with broadcast journalism. Like you could still be in front of a camera, still have that element of it, of performance. But I think that you just really would aspire for higher education and you're going to want to eventually land in something that will allow you to exercise your writing. Because even back then I was like writing little like stories and stuff. So that's what like 
did it. From that point on, I was obsessed with the idea of being an anchor or like being in broadcast journalism from fourth grade, fourth grade on. So the following year, our production was The Wizard of Oz and you guessed it. I wanted to be Dorothy, dreamed about it, hoped for it, didn't get a girl, did not win Dorothy that year. But I was Glinda the Good Witch. <laughs> and I had this kick butt red wig I wore and I waved my little wand and I sang my little songs and it was awesome. But yeah, from that point on, I just always really loved the idea of like production and shows. And I loved being in front of people, but I loved making people smile. You know, I was never fearful of being in front of people. And I think I really attribute that to those young days of being in front of audiences of hundreds of people because that's how big these audiences were. And um, to this day, my best friend Jackie, when she would come home with me for Thanksgiving, it's her favorite movie to watch. She'll watch back our VHS tapes because we have like professional tapes of, for, of when I was Oliver. And she's like, we need to watch Oliver Twist. She like loves watching me and Oliver. But that really was the start of it. And I started like really exploring all these different areas of production and film, art, and whatever it was. And also... When I moved, we eventually moved back to the States after living in Italy. We were living in Virginia. And something else I've never shared is I remember finding my mom's old tape recorder and old cassette tapes. And I would sit in my room and I would record radio shows. (laughs) God, I was such a loser. But I would. I would record like a song off the radio. Or like, you know, off my now 28 CD or something like that. And then I'd be like, hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Kelly and I'm so happy you're here with me today. Blah, blah, blah. Like I thought I was a regular Ryan Seacrest. But, and I, I didn't even know if I wanted to be like in radio, but I just like loved speaking. So I just, I wanted that to say, you'd never know like when you're going to birth these passions. So if you have kids out there, like encourage them to do just all of the things all of them because I did them and even like photo shoots, like Lord knows if you guys have seen the throwback photos, like I was not the cutest girl in the world. And I'll get to that in a minute, but like brace faced and I was like 85 pounds and I had really like scraggly arms and I was like freckle faced. And my mom said I was adorable, but I was a little rough around the edges, but I would still set up my little camera on timer and my room And I would do little like photo shoots. I would set up my huge giant turquoise pillows as like backdrops and I would pose. And even back then, it wasn't with the intention of like, ooh, someday I'm going to apply for Sports Illustrated. It was like, ooh, this is fun. Like, let me just try it today. And, you know, I just was like sitting in my room dreaming and brainstorming and you know, I was thriving back then. Like 2000s Kelly was just killing it. But you know, just do all of it. Do all of the things. You never know like what creative expression is going to spark something in you. And, you know, maybe it's dorky. I do the same thing now. Like I'll get like really creative and Austin will just like stare at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it. I'm just feeling creative. I always yell, I'm feeling inspired. And he's like, all right, babe. And I'm just like, feel inspired. But yes, like celebrate that part of yourself. But I don't think anybody really knows that background in me. 
your little host was Oliver Twist back in the day. D-t-t-t-t-t. Killing it. And no, I have not watched the movie since. I watched it like a thousand and a half times back in 2000 or 2001, whenever that was. Haven't watched it since. And nope, don't sing anymore. I definitely lost that talent, unfortunately. Oh, well. But that's to lead into my, you all think I'm super cool, or maybe you don't. That's fine. That means you already understand this part of me. But I was not super cool. Actually, I was the opposite of super cool. Because I was this like super skinny, awkward looking kid. Yeah, I didn't really get placed in that popular group ever. Like definitely not immediately or ever, which is cool. I realized that when I moved to Virginia and I was in sixth grade, I was like, I'm going to be so cool. And that was around the time like Mean Girls came out and like Lindsay Lohan was like a star. And I was like, I'm going to be the new Lindsay Lohan and I'm going to like move and be the new girl. And like, everyone's going to love me. Nah, you know, girls were just like way too cute. They were just like blossoming and they looked very mature and like eye rolling. And I looked like I was about six and a half, you know, even though I was in sixth grade. So I didn't get invited to like the cool girl table or anything like that. But as the years progressed and I kept trying to be like nice and nice and nice and nice, not that being popular is everything, but again, Mama Hall with the wisdom, she said, it's not about being popular. Like, I think it's more important. You're just nice to everyone. Like, I think you would rather be known as being the nice one or the nice girl that everybody knows than being just the popular girl that people can't confront or people can't go talk to. And I was like, all right. So I just started being nice to everyone and talking to everyone and trying to befriend everyone. And that was kind of like the route that I took, Um, you know, in eighth grade, I was like, you know, I'm not going to be put on the map here socially because I'm like super pretty, super cute. And I definitely don't have any boobs over here. Like dudes do not care about me, but I can be like the really nice one. And then I also started like playing my strengths, which was leadership, (laughs) Woohoo. So I started running for class president. And in eighth grade, I ran for class president. In ninth grade, I ran for class president. In 10th grade, I ran for class president. I ran for class president every year and I won. <laughs> so it was class president every year. And I like guess like what put me on the map, friends? I was like that girl. I was like the nice girl and I was class president. And I actually made it on homecoming court a couple times. Again, I can dig up those hilarious photos. I wasn't like you know, Regina George guys, like I wasn't like beaming beauty on that homecoming court. I was still definitely scraggly and ugly, but I was super nice. And I was happy because at least like I was making friends, people knew who I was, and I was able to find my own path in high school that I could be proud of. You know, I was able to find my own lane. It wasn't through parties. It wasn't through beer pong. It wasn't through anything cool, but it was like something that was going to build me later. And that's definitely still who I am. I feel like I'm not this like super, super cool girl that like knows everything about pop culture. And like, I clearly didn't go to a normal college. I went to the Naval Academy. So I'm not like hip. I didn't go to sorority. I'm not like Alpha Kappa Pi Sigma. Like I don't know a lot of these things, but like I will be nice to you and I'll plan stuff and I will help you personally develop if that's what you're into. Maybe throw a good motivational speaking your way. 
But I know my lane. I know where it's at. And I think that I've like embraced it. I've embraced that since I was young. So I'm really okay with that. Like I'm okay that that's where things ended up being. But I definitely wasn't like super duper cool. Cool in my own way, guys. Like I think you guys think I'm super cool now. Like, you know, you know, just embrace it. Embrace your individuality, friends. But I'll go into from that of just a swerve into guys, or should I say boys, because I wasn't super cool. I didn't really get hit up by the boys. Like, you know, I'm speaking to those middle schoolers out there, the high schoolers, or maybe moms with daughters or whoever. Like, yes, I love who I am now. And I'm sharing photos on social media of me running for Sports Illustrated and swimsuit modeling and all that. But LOL, that was not me as a kid in middle school. I like actively remember one time sitting in language arts class and this really cute boy was trying to get my attention. And I was like, oh my God, this is the moment. Like this is the moment a guy is going to like me for the first time. Well, he got my attention and he threw a note at me and it hit me in the head. And I was like, oh my God, it's for me. Well, it wasn't. It was for the girl in the row next to me. And he like looked at me and was like, oh, you passed it to her. And I was like, well, that sucks. So I passed it to her. And then I ended up getting in trouble because the teacher saw me passing a note so she like pulls me out of class and she gave me detention. And so I ended up having to like, you know, tell my dad. You know, I went home that day, like had a detention slip. And I was like, I wasn't really passing a note, but it didn't matter. He was like, you're distracted in class. Man, I was bumming. That sucked. Marcus, if you're out there, I remember you still to this day. But yeah, that was my first time I thought a guy was going to like me. And it's not what happened. And then... You know, that continued through middle school. Not much happened in there on the dating scene. I actually didn't even, like, I didn't get asked to homecoming. I went with friends pretty much every single year. And then my high school sweetheart was my neighbor. (laughs) He was the sweetest kid. And he was also on the cross country team with me. So I felt like he had to like me by default because we spent a lot of time together. So like eventually he was going to fall in love with like, the freckles and the braces and my beautiful head of hair, which he did. But I, guys, I didn't have my first kiss until I was like 17. So if you think I'm a dating pro, nah, I got better at dating way, way later. (laughs) Um, And even at the Naval Academy, I was so fearful of rumors because when you go to the Naval Academy, As a woman, the ratio is like one in 20. For every one female, there's 20 guys, which for the ladies out there, you're thinking, wow, that's amazing. It's like Disneyland for attractive men. You're not totally wrong. Like it was pretty cool. But at the same time, they turn into like brothers. You're not like, ew, I'm not going to date my brothers. And then on the other hand, you have to be very careful about protecting your reputation. And just like, you can't just date 85 people, because guess what? You all live in the same dormitory. It's the second largest dormitory in the world. So all 5,000 of you live under the same roof. They all know each other. They all talk to each other. They're all on swim teams together and varsity track team together and wrestling. Like, And you, because the ratio is 1 in 20, 
they all know who you are. So if they say Kelly Hall, they're like, oh, no, that chick. So like I was just like working so hard to maintain a good reputation. I didn't want to like be perceived a certain way. So I was very, very picky about who I went on dates with at the Naval Academy. I was very picky with who I even like kissed at the Naval Academy because if the stigma was like, if you even went so much as like on a coffee date, I'm not kidding, like to the library with a guy by that evening, 9 p.m., the rumor was like Kelly Hall went to, you know, a closet in the library with Josh Blank and they did it. And it's like, oh my God, I literally just got coffee with this guy. Like, can we all just chill for a minute? So that's again why like I didn't date that much. I ended up having like two serious relationships at the Naval Academy. So I was really only single for like a year and a half while I was there. And the thing too was I dated someone in my, oh my God, this is sad. My only two boyfriends from the Naval Academy were in my company, which fun fact, you're not supposed to date in your company. So you actually have to, they have to move to a different company. That's a process. So there was a period of time before my first boyfriend moved to a different company where we had to like date in secret because I was like, I don't want you to move and like it be for nothing. So for a couple months, we were like seeing each other. And there were like still rumors flying about me like, oh, Kelly hooked up with this guy. And I'm like, I'm literally dating someone in secret. So all that to say, like not a dating pro there at the Naval Academy because I was just like trying so much to like maintain a good positive reputation. But I really got into like my dating experience when I was in my 20s, especially when I moved to Columbus because no one knew me. No one knew me. And there was like no military, which was kind of nice for me. I was like tired of dating military guys. I was ready to date, quote, civilians. And it was just nice to be single in my own apartment, have my job. I have my friends and just kind of like do life and like see what happens. Like no one's running into a varsity swim locker room and like chatting about me. Like these are like grown men that all don't really know each other and I can just like date and experience life. So (laughs) talk about things I've never really publicly shared. I was really funny when it came to dating. One of the things I was, I've shared this before, but I was like very active on social media with dating, like dating profiles. I did Bumble. I did a Hinge. I downloaded Tinder for like 24 hours, but it was so aggressive. I deleted it immediately because It was just too much for me. But I was so busy that I couldn't really give it the time it deserved. So I started designating nights to it. I would designate Thursday evening as my dating app evening. I'm not joking. And it was because I used to get spray tans every Thursday. So I would be like disgustingly sticky and gross And I'd look like an ogre. So I would go home and I would just swipe all evening and like talk to people. And that, my friends, was like my one of my tips and tricks of the trade from my single days. Because it worked. Like I actually was like giving them the attention and the time that was necessary to develop interactions and create relationships, which wasn't always the case. Like when you're like swiping mindlessly or you're doing it like a brunch with your friends, like you're not really talking to them. You're just saying like, hey, what's up? And that's it. 
also, fun fact, am the creator, trademark, TM, of the drive-by, which I coined because I would meet these people on these dating apps. But after a while, you go on so many first dates and they're kind of like a bust. Like people seem really cool or the conversation seems good and they meet them in person and you're like, are you the same person I was talking to two nights ago? Like, who are you? And I would just get really annoyed at wasting my time because it would be like, a, you know, a Friday night or it'd be a Monday evening or whatever it is. And I know you're thinking like, ooh, free meal. That wasn't even the case. Like guys started getting real cheap on dating apps because they're also going on dates. So sometimes I'd be like splitting the meal and I'm like, this is stupid. So I created the good old drive-by, which was I would swipe, 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 swipe. And I'd have like guys in my queue on Bumble or on Hinge or whatever. And if I was out at the bars in, you know, Short North, which was like the bar scene in Columbus, I would let them know, hey, I'm heading to Bodega. I'm heading to Standard. I'm heading to blank. Let me know if you'd like to meet up. And the reason being, because I could like slip away from my group for, you know, five minutes. I can meet them real quick you're going to know within 20 seconds if this is actually a guy you want to see on a second date. Like I only needed 20 seconds because you would see if they like actually looked like their photos or if they were actually really social. Are they really charming? Were they really quirky? Like could they hold a conversation? If they didn't have those things, you would know immediately, you know? So some guys were like jerks right away. Some guys barely talked and you'd just be like, all right, well, my friends are standing over there. It was like, good to see you. Bye. And you like slip away and go back to your friends and like, boom, drive by, knock it out. Five minutes, delete, boom, you're gone. And I'm not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> hey guys, you did not impress me. That don't impress me much. Need a cue Shania Twain in the background. But yeah, so fun fact, I'm the creator of the drive by. Don't let anyone else tell you they did that because someone's going to steal this and be like, I created it. You heard it here on Misunderstood Podcast. Kelly Hall created the drive-by. So I know I just dropped some dating knowledge on you, but the misunderstanding is that I started out as a dating pro. It's not a dating pro. Little Kelly Hall did not get asked out on dates in high school or really in college. Didn't get asked to homecoming. There was a dance at the Naval Academy called Ring Dance your junior year. I didn't even get asked to that. Like, definitely thought I would, but didn't get asked to that. Maybe I did. No, nah, I don't think I did. I actually ended up going with like a setup. But yeah, so I did start out as a dating professional. Now I feel like I'm quite the pro. I'm like, step aside, world. You need some bachelor knowledge? Like, let me tell you how to date. But yeah, didn't start out that way. Okay, and lastly, yeah, I think maybe there's a handful out of you who respect my genius. I'm probably not giving myself enough credit. You know, maybe I'm a genius in my own way. But I think some of you are like, wow, Kelly's brilliant. She went to the Naval Academy. She's super smart. I'm going to give some of you out there who maybe aren't on that genius level some hope. Capital H. Because, first of all, I'm not a genius. Second of all, I'm not brilliant. Third of all, I guess I'm like, I guess I'm pretty smart, but in very, very specific way. Let me tell you why. I 
day I struggled through the naval academy. Struggled. I mean, I picked political science as my major because you do nothing but take math and engineering and chemistry and aero and mechanical engineering and blech. It's math and science and engineering classes at the Naval Academy, everybody has to take those classes because it's a predominantly like engineering school. Okay, I knew that going into it. So when I was going to pick my major, like, no, I'm not going to pick more math and science. Like, girl needs some help over here with her GPA. Um, and I always obviously was interested in, I was good at writing, like I mentioned before. So I was going to find something to like boost my GPA. So I picked political science strategically as my major. So that way I would like help boost my GPA. And it always did because I always got like A's and B's in those classes. But like, I, man, I didn't graduate Naval Academy with a 4.0, put it that way. I was in tutoring like all the time, probably three times a week. I'm not joking. They call it extra instruction there. And like during our plebe summer, like our boot camp, going into the Naval Academy, they're like, you should connect with your instructors a lot and do extra instruction because when they see you doing that extra effort, then they know who you are and they're going to help you along. And, you know, that just says a lot for them. They're going to be more than likely to like help boost you throughout the class. Girl, I lived in those instructors classes. Like, I mean, I sit in class and these kids to my left and my right, I mean, these kids ended up at like MIT later, Harvard later. Some of them are like on their way to NASA. Here's little Kelly just recording Misunderstood Podcast. I'm not going to NASA, friends, but I'm still out of this world. Okay, I'm definitely not going to NASA. But like, I needed some help. So I'm very proud of myself for getting through the Naval Academy. But that crap took some tenacity. It was hard. And I had to learn like how I was going to learn. And for me, it was extra instruction. I would meet with my professors all the time. Any like available extra period I had, I was in their like offices learning something I just learned in class. I also would like set up appointments with my classmates because my classmates were so much smarter than me. (laughs) So I'd be like, okay, I have political science or engineering with Cliff at seven. All right. I have Delano and he's going to teach me chemistry at nine. All right. I have this at 11. Like I would just like bounce around Bancroft Hall going to everyone's like rooms. So they would like teach me stuff because I couldn't study on my own. I was completely lost. I was a little lost puppy. And I also, this is scary, but learned, like I didn't learn anything from my textbooks. I don't know how you guys are out there. Reading like does not, I don't soak up the knowledge whenever I'm like reading from something. So by my senior year, I didn't buy a single textbook. I'm not joking. Like I didn't buy a single one. My grades were still great. My best year of grades in my senior year. But I just, at that point, I was like, I don't even know who I'm joking here. Like I'm buying these hundreds and hundreds of dollars with the textbooks just to have them sit on my dresser to like look pretty. And really what's happening is I'm going to everybody else and they're teaching the stuff to me or I'm going to my professor. So fun fact, didn't even buy a book my senior year. Not because I was genius, but because I didn't learn that way. I don't learn from like reading whatsoever. It's a little fun fact about me. It's probably the same way 
for you guys out there, I don't know if you're listening, but if you have found a really great way to study and it's not reading, let me know. Cause someday I'm going to have to go back and get my master's eeks. And I really struggle with reading, but yeah, I, I worked my butt off. And then even recently I had to take my professional human resources certification and I just knew it. I like had flashbacks to my Naval Academy days. And I was like, things don't come naturally to me. Like I don't just read something and I'm like, oop, I know everything about equal opportunity employment now. Like, woohoo, let me take this exam tomorrow. I'm like, well, wait, what did you say? I don't know what that means. Can you say that one more time? What is Cobra? What? Uh, huh? What? What is that? I need my textbook. Maybe I don't. Let me Google. I don't know what's going on half the time. So class is tough for me, but I feel like I'm really good at learning by imitation. I don't know if that's a thing, honestly, but like on social media, I like taught myself everything about marketing, everything about social media marketing, podcasting. I have like a lot of great mentors, but I've learned a lot by just like listening to others. Same with like my photography business. I learned a lot just by following other photographers and like seeing what they were doing and then like Googling. So I feel like I'm very self-taught in a lot of ways, which is like a different kind of smart, but academically struggle city USA. So you are misunderstood if you think I'm just like this academic genius. You guys probably didn't think that, but I just want to set the record straight from the beginning because if you think that there's hope for all of us, I promise. So that's all I got for you guys. Oh, and the last thing I was going to say, this is just a little fun fact about me. You probably don't know why I'm so obsessed with friends. I'm just going to throw this in here. I am so obsessed with Friends and I'm really sad because it's not on Netflix anymore. That's incredibly depressing. Like, I can't believe Netflix took that pride and joy away from me. I do have all the DVDs. I was given... Okay, so let me back backtrack. When I was in the seventh grade, my mom... Again, just Lisa with the genius. My mom said everything on TV was trash. <laughs> Gotta love her. And so she went to like Walmart and she bought like the first season of all these different shows. She bought the first season of like, I Love Lucy and Sanford and Sons and I Dream of Jeannie and Friends and all these classics, right? And so we were watching through all these different seasons because she was like, I want to teach y'all about real TV because real TV is good. Well, I remember watching through the first season of Friends and being like, oh my gosh, I really like that show. And then I like grabbed it and like took it up to my room. And I had the little like 1990s little desktop laptop thing that barely worked, but it had a DVD insert. So up in my room, I wasn't allowed to have a TV in my room, but I started playing the DVDs off my laptop all the time. And so I rewatched season one and then I rewatched season one again and I rewatched season one again. And I was in seventh grade and To this day, I feel like I immediately connected with them because I've always had dreams of living in a big city, which check that box because I'm living in Los Angeles now, but I always wanted to end up in New York. I also love their independence. You know, I feel like I've just always connected with them being close friends and I like dream of having that on my own, which check that block too. But Lastly, like I, I grew up in a pretty conservative home and my parents taught me a ton, but then there was also a lot of things socially that they didn't teach me. 
because we grew up in a, like a very strong Christian home. And so they like, I would hear like things at school or I'd hear like whispers or people would make jokes. And I genuinely just didn't know what kids were talking about because I was a little, I was pretty sheltered. <laughs> I was very sheltered actually. So there was a lot that friends introduced me to, you know, that's just like everyday life or dating or whatever. And maybe you're thinking a 14 year old shouldn't see that, but it was just like good for, you know, I didn't run off and I don't know, go date obviously, but it was just really good for me to have like that background knowledge. And I was like learning about the real world and I wasn't so sheltered. And I felt like they were literally my friends. I'm not joking. Like I was like, Lisa Kudrow, Matthew Perry, first name basis. Obviously, I don't call them by their character names. Rachel Green, Chandler Bing, blah, blah, blah. They just like were my friends. They were teaching me so much. And so in eighth grade, on my birthday, my parents got me all 10 seasons in DVD. I was so ecstatic. I'm pretty sure I cried. I was so happy. They truly were like my friends. I'm such a loser, but they were. And I have watched that show through easily almost 20 times now. Start to finish, season one to 10, season one to 10, season one to 10. There is a phase, like all through high school, that's what I would watch in the morning when I would get ready. I could squeeze in exactly two episodes because they're 24 minutes a piece. So I would like have it timed perfectly. And I would know like if I hitting the end of the second episode, I like needed to go get breakfast. But and that's what I watched every single morning. And then I couldn't watch it at the Naval Academy because we couldn't have TV for the first year. But that's why I actually ended up driving a yellow car because Phoebe drives a yellow taxi in the show. So in ninth grade, my mom was like, what kind of car do you want someday? And I was like, a taxi. She was like, what? And I was like, because Phoebe drives a taxi and friends. And she was like, you would. So I've always had a yellow car because of it because <laughs> Phoebe drives a taxi in France. So I always called her my little taxi cab. But yeah, that's why I've always been obsessed with the show. And I think I have like such an emotional connection to it because like those characters and those people and like watching them, they grew up on that show. You know, they started out as 20-somethings and they ended it in like their later 30s but they went through so many phases as characters being like young and then getting engaged and then starting to have kids. And like there's now as a 28 year old, I watch it through and I laugh at different jokes because I've experienced it personally, or I just look at it in like such a different way. But that is where my obsession with friends is, was born. And that was a little fun fact to squeeze in here at the end. So I'm actually not going to do questions with Kelly today because I feel like that was all like a questions with Kelly episode because it was like all about me. But it's just good little info for you guys to have because I want you guys to get to know me a little bit better. And there's a lot of perceptions about people on the internet or influencers or bloggers or models or whatever it is. And like, let's squash those perceptions. Like we don't know everything about each other. We need to open our eyes and our hearts to other people and their life experiences. I think everything happens for a reason. And I love my journey. My journey has been hilarious. And I love like this next chapter I'm going into with my future and Austin and like all these other passions I have. Like it's so new and it's so different than like the last 10 years have been. But 
I love my path. I love the kid I was, brace-faced Kelly with big dreams and a bold heart and just like this happiness and excitement of her life. And, you know, I just can't encourage you guys enough to celebrate those journeys and self-reflect on that part of you because you explored those interests when you were a kid for a reason. And maybe you need to dig back and think back to why. Maybe that's something you need to rediscover as a 30-year-old or 31-year-old. Like it's not too late to go back to that. I was recording those radio tapes when I was like 11. They're somewhere in my, underneath my bed at home, I swear. But who would have ever thought that now I'm back recording, recording my own podcast, having my own show, thousands of you are tuning in. And it's just so cool to think back to that moment when I never knew what it would turn into. So self-reflect and also don't judge a book by its cover, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, every Tuesday, I've got a new show for you guys. Maybe some bonus episodes during the week. You never know. But this is Kelly with Misunderstood. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys. And I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram, and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you love, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. I want to give a special shout out to my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. If you are looking to launch a podcast or if you already have one, you can get unlimited podcast editing by visiting usehatch.fm. That's usehatch.fm. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is your misunderstood Kelly Hall.